Our Father in heaven, in these few moments that we have to open your word together, we just want to thank you that we've already been profoundly blessed by the testimonies that we've heard. We want to give you thanks for the way that you have changed lives through this Amen conference, even this weekend. And I pray now in Jesus' name that you would, by your Spirit, come to us in a life-changing way as we open your word. That we might hear a word from you, not only to bless our lives, but the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've heard a lot in the past few decades about discipleship. It's been popular. And I want to begin by saying that I believe that God wants each one of us to be disciples of Jesus, not only for a short time, but for all of our lives. But today I want to challenge you with a radical thought. God wants us to go beyond the safe territory of discipleship. You say, Derek, what do you mean? Well, take your Bible. Hope you brought your Bible with you. If you didn't, shame on you. You didn't come to be entertained this morning. So uh, you probably have it on your phone, right? Matthew chapter 10. I, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture which I believe confirms what I said earlier, that God wants us to go beyond the safe territory of discipleship. God wants to use you to change the world. Look with me in Matthew chapter 10. And when he had called his twelve, what does it say in your Bible? His twelve disciples to him. Now, the word disciple, methetes in the Greek, it means a learner. It's, uh, I grew up in England where the tradesmen learned in what we called apprenticeships. They would connect with someone who was skilled and learn from her or learn from him. A disciple is one who comes alongside in order to learn. Now I want to say, as I did at the beginning, that I believe that we should come along Jesus, come alongside to learn from Him, and that should be a lifelong learning. But I want to say that Jesus wants you to go beyond the safe territory of discipleship. Look with me in the text. When he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power. The word is dunamis. It's dynamite power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Go down to verse 5. These twelve Jesus did what? Oh, they said, Jesus, we don't want to go out. We just want to be your disciples. But Jesus, what did he do to them? The word in the Greek is apostello, from which we get the English word apostle. Jesus sent them out. 
In fact, uh, to prepare us for this shift, notice what the Scripture records in verse 2. Now the names of the twelve, what does it say in your Bible? It doesn't call them disciples anymore. What does it call them? Because they are going to be what? Sent out. Look in Mark chapter 6. When they come back from this missionary experience in Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. You know the text about coming apart and resting a while. But in verse 30, the verse prior to that reference, Mark 6 verse 30, then, what does it say in your Bible? Then the what? The apostles. Not the disciples, but the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. I want to challenge you with a radical thought this morning. That Jesus wants us to move beyond the safe territory of discipleship. He wants us to do something for him. Are you with me? Do I need to say that again? I'm going to anyway. Because only two people said amen. Amen means my heart agrees. If this organization is what I'm hearing it to be, you would agree that Jesus wants us to move beyond the safe territory of discipleship and to do something for him. That's called an apostle. Now, some of you might be saying, wait a minute, Derek, I've read the book of Acts uh, where they replaced Judas. You remember Judas? He uh, separated himself from the twelve, and they said, well, we need to find a replacement, and the replacement needs to be one who has been an eyewitness of all of the things from the beginning, even of the resurrected Christ. They chose two candidates. Their names were Matthias... And Joseph, also called Barsabbas, they cast lots, and who was chosen? So you say, Derek, we don't need to have this discussion. There's only 12 apostles. You're wrong. Well, there are only the 12 who were the key eyewitnesses and the testimonies about the risen Christ. That I agree with. But if you read the New Testament, there are many who are called apostles besides the 12. I could give you all of the references if you'd like to write them down, but just call out the names of some who are called apostles. Well, Paul, he wrote half of the New Testament. He is an apostle, not of man, but of God. Who else is called an apostle in the New Testament? Barnabas is called an apostle, Acts 14 and verse 14. Epaphroditus is called an apostle. Um, Andronicus is called an apostle. James, the brother of our Lord, is called an apostle. And if I understand what apostolos means, the 70 who were sent out were also... So there's lots of apostles in the New Testament. Now I have a challenging question for you. Who was the greatest apostle of all? Well, I asked a pastor, he came into my office this week, and without hesitation, Des, he said, is Paul. I mean, Paul's the greatest apostle. Anybody agree with that? Would you vote for Paul? 
No, you don't vote for that, all right? Anybody, who would, how many would vote for Peter? He was at the top of every list when the 12 were noted. Anybody vote for Peter as the greatest apostle? No, okay. Uh, James, who led the church in Jerusalem, brother of our Lord, that is the stepbrother, son of Joseph. Uh, would you vote for him, perhaps? Well, I want to suggest another name. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. Some of you have, uh, have studied your Bibles. That's good. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. The greatest apostle is identified. Therefore, holy sisters and brothers, partakers of the heavenly calling... Consider the apostle Amen. and high priest Amen. of our confession. What's his name, church? Amen. Jesus Amen. is the apostle. Amen. He was sent out from the courts of heaven. He came down on an assignment that would change the world. Did, did I tell you at the beginning that God wants to use you to change the world? I didn't tell you he wants you to be Jesus. Jesus has already come. Hallelujah. Amen. But he wants to send you out as radical apostles to change the world. You say, Derek, give me some characteristics of a radical apostle. I'm going to give you three. You might want to write these down. Could change your life. Three characteristics of a radical apostle. I see it in the life of Jesus. Don't have to make it up because he is the greatest apostle of all. Three characteristics. Number one, radical dependence. Jesus says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of my Father in heaven. John 6 and verse 38. Jesus, radical dependence, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Radical dependence. Now, if God is going to send you out as a radical apostle, you see, God wants to use you to change the world. It will happen because at the very foundation is a radical dependence upon God. Are you listening to me? You are not that smart, and you are not that strong. You say, I think I am actually quite smart, and I'm pretty strong. Not for God, what God wants you to do. God wants to use you to change the world. It's going to start with radical, what? Dependence. Radical dependence. That's, that's one characteristic. I see it in Jesus. Here's the second one. We just have a few minutes this morning. Radical empowerment. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 4? Well, right before he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I want you to notice what he says in Luke 4 and verse 16. Luke 4 and verse 16, Jesus says, well, actually, Luke records, Dr. Luke records, so Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. Actually, I want to go back to verse 14. Then Jesus returned, what does it say in your Bible? In the power of the Holy Spirit. 
radical empowerment. He comes to Nazareth, verse 16, on the Sabbath, stood up. Verse 18, he stands up and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can you say that this morning? Thank you. Let me have a witness. If you have asked the Lord to be Lord of your life, and He says, ask, the Father's more willing to give the Holy Spirit than we are to ask. Then if you have asked for the Spirit of God to be upon you today, you can say as Jesus did, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That, my brother, my sister, is radical empowerment. Oh, you could play it safe. You could maybe impress a few people, even in this organization. But I tell you today, by the authority of God's Word, that God wants to use you to change the world. And it will not happen without radical dependence and radical empowerment. Get down on our knees at the beginning of the day and say, Spirit of God, fall afresh on me. The blessing is for today. Radical dependence. Radical empowerment. Third characteristic. I see it in Jesus, the greatest apostle of all. Radical commitment. Radical commitment to the mission. I, I was reading again in Luke chapter 9, fascinating. Uh, they, they knew that the Jews were trying to kill Jesus. Even Thomas said, well, if we're going, let's all go and die with him. But Luke 9 verse 51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You understand what's happening here? We're talking about a radical commitment. We're talking about a commitment regardless of the sacrifice. We're talking about a commitment regardless of the personal cost. God wants to send out radical apostles even from this meeting. He wants to use you to impact the world. Jesus is our leader, the greatest apostle of all. And he modeled for us radical dependence on the Father, radical empowerment by the Spirit of God, and a radical commitment to the mission. Look at just one story with me in Acts chapter 9, if you would. I want to take a few minutes to give you some 21st century radical apostles. But I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 9. One example... I'm in verse 36 of Acts 9. If you think that the apostles went out to play it safe, you've not read the book. These people go out with a radical dependence upon God, radical empowerment by the Spirit, and a radical commitment to the mission. Peter's standing by the bed of Dorcas. She's dead. I'm sure that as he was there, he remembered what Jesus had said back to Matthew 10. To go out, proclaim the good news, and heal the sick. And by the way, that's what this organization is all about. It's all, this is not a new idea. It's in the book, Matthew chapter 10. 
combining the proclamation of the good news about Jesus and extending the healing ministry of Christ. It's right here. But I imagine the, the, the Apostle Peter standing by the bed of Dorcas and thinking to himself, I, I didn't plan for this. This is a little outside of my job description. Standing by the bed of a dead woman. He needed radical dependence and radical empowerment and a radical commitment. Perhaps he remembered back to what had just happened. Look back to verse 32. Peter went through all the parts of the country, came to the saints that dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who'd been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Does that sound timid to you? Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. That's preaching. That's the gospel and a healing ministry together. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how skilled you are in your healthcare profession, that is outside of your normal practice. Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Well, maybe, maybe Peter remembered that as he's standing by the bed of a dead woman. Maybe he remembers back to when John and Peter together had gone to the gate called Beautiful. You remember the story, the man was begging there, hoping for some alms. And Peter and John said, we don't have any money, but we do have something that you need. You see, we're not just playing it safe in our little Bible study group, devoted disciples of Jesus. We are apostles. We've got a work to do. Amen. We have been sent out. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. You know what it says in the text? Peter reached out his hand. Let me help you, sir. Stood up, walking and leaping and praising. Maybe Peter remembered that. And he said, okay, Lord, that was amazing. Aeneas, that was amazing too, but, but she's dead. Verse 39 of Acts chapter 9. When Peter had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the windows, the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know what was happening in his mind, but my guess is that he was praying as much for himself as he was for Dorcas. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? I mean, theoretically, God, I believe you can do... Theoretically. Whew. 
But if you're serious about this, and I'm not saying you're all going to go out and raise the dead, I'm going to tell you that God wants to use you to change the world. Take a deep breath, my sister. Take a deep breath, my brother. Peter kneels down and he prays. And turning to the body, doesn't even give her a name there, she's dead. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. <laughs> And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. I want to tell you that God wants to use you as a radical apostle. He wants to send you out in your community. He wants to send you out to impact the world. It will take radical dependence on the Father. It will take radical empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And it will take more than an average commitment. It will take a radical commitment to the mission. But that, my friends, is what God wants for you and for me. It may cost you your life. Huh? I'd rather die for him than live without him. And there are radical apostles today, and I'm not bringing anyone up to honor them. I just want you to know it's still happening. We just have a few minutes. Dr. John, are you here? I met John in the year 2000. Where are you, John? I know you're here somewhere. Did he leave? Dr. John Chung, where are you? Come on up here. Don't just wave at me. 2000, God impressed me to become an interim pastor in Dalton, Georgia. I did not know that it would change my life. Safe teaching position at Southern Adventist University. People go there, they get a teaching position, they stay for the rest of their lives. They call it Happy Valley. They even have a cemetery there so you can stay there until Jesus comes. Come on up, John, grab a microphone. But I prayed a radical prayer in 1999. It's found in Luke chapter 10. I prayed a radical prayer. I gave God permission to ekbalo me, to throw me out into his harvest. And the first step was to Dalton, Georgia. And I, I met a, a, a radical apostle. I didn't know what to call him at that time. And I say that again, not to kind of make him a celebrity, but, but someone who caught a vision that, that you're not just staying in the safe territory of discipleship, but God wants you to do something. And, and I want you to share with me, John, even when you were in medical school, because there are some medical students here, even when you were in medical school, you knew that you weren't just there to prepare to be a good physician. You were there as a radical apostle. Tell me what you did while you were in medical school. <laughs> Besides study. Medical school, uh, I was a youth pastor for uh, a Korean church in Los Angeles. And um, actually, there was one of the excuses to go see my wife, future wife. <laughs> so you had an ulterior motive, but you were an apostle anyway. Okay? 
So you did that while you were in medical school. Right. Now, then you went to, to residency, and then you went to a second residency in, in dermatology. And I understand that there was a, a, another resident who was not a Seventh-day Adventist. Right. What, do you, what, what did you start doing um, while you were in the middle of that residency? Well, you know, first of all, when I went, before I went there to dermatology residency, I was very scared because uh, I was competing with all these bright minds and I thought, I don't have a bright mind like these guys. So when I talked to one of the physicians, he said, go there and be a Daniel. And so the first thing I did was start a Bible study. And they, t they take two residents every year and the other resident was not an Adventist. And I started studying with her and her family. And after a couple of years, she and her family, they all got baptized. And to, even to this day, you know, it just... Then you, then, then you went into a practice, and I know your practice is large now and complicated. Uh, so you're really busy, it would be easy to just kind of withdraw into the safe territory of being a disciple of Jesus. But, but what's God doing through you even now in your practice as a radical apostle? Well, I am fortunate to be around very good people. Who uh, The reason why I say that is because we started Bible study um, at our home almost 15 years ago. And it has, every Wednesday night, and has continued to this day. And through this, we probably had about, we probably, I had studied with at least 500 non-Adventist people. And there are many people who are out there. You can say amen unless you fell asleep. How many people? About 500. Amen. How has that changed you? I'm sure it's changed, how has that changed you? as a healthcare professional? Well, um, greater faith, greater dependence on God, Amen. and gratefulness to be used of God. Amen. But, um, but what I have to say is, you know what, it's amazing how when you are wanting to do God's will, God's work, God sends people to help. Amen. And you know, one of the greatest blessings for me in my life was Dr. Mills. God sent him to our, you know, I taught him dermatology, but he taught me much more. Praise God. And not only that, through him, we have, you know, many, many people have received uh, the truth through Dr. Mills. Praise God. And now we have Chester Clark. Um, I am so grateful that he is there. He's not a physician, he's a minister. But um, he now leads out in our Bible study and I learned so much from him. Praise God, praise God. So, Radical Apostle say amen. amen. Dr. George Guthrie, come up here. I wish we had more time to share with John. But um, I wanna just inspire you that God wants to use you to impact the world. We've heard wonderful testimonies even, even today. George, uh, 
when, when, when my wife started getting involved in health ministry at Forest Lake Church, she was praying to God that he would throw out laborers. And God threw a couple named George and Dina Guthrie. And I, I do believe this. Listen carefully. If you have a clear vision, God will lead people to you to join you in that vision. And George and Dina came, and, and George, there's so much people know you're well respected in terms of your health ministry. But I want you to focus outside of that right now about a Bible study group that's growing rapidly at the Forest Lake Church that, that God's called you to be a part of. Tell me a little about Word of Hope. Uh, we had a young uh, Australian gentleman staying in our home, a theology student who's... Uh, uh, learning a chaplaincy, and he stayed for about a year. Uh, wanted to get involved in the church and started a little Bible study, I think with your encouragement. And it's called uh, Word of Hope, he and another young uh, Ukrainian gentleman. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, to be involved with this uh, group of young, uh, upwardly mobile professionals, if you will, uh, committed Bible students within the church. And Dean and I are the old fogies, but uh, we sure enjoy being there with them and, and encouraging them along the journey. And let me, before you go on, let me just inspire with this thought. Both Emmanuel, the Australian, and Oleg, the Ukrainian, I offered both of them teaching positions at the Forest Lake Church with mo no pay, and both of them accepted. So there are people out there with radical commitment. Emmanuel and Oleg were part of that. They both went away. God called them to other venues of service. At the same time, Word of Hope didn't stop. How many people are coming each Sabbath to this in-depth Bible study? Sixty? You better say that a little louder. Sixty. <laughs> uh, that's as large as some churches, right? And, and average age, would you say? Uh, average age is probably 28, something like that. <laughs> Is there a young professional here that will say amen? amen? 28 years old, 60 people. And George, I want to thank you and Dina. I know you're a little over 28. Yes. But, but God wants to use you as leaders to be mentors to these young people. And God wants to use you to change the world. Thanks so much for sharing with us. My wife wishes she could have been here today. My wife is a um, nurse practitioner great-granddaughter of a physician to the Emperor of China. She's got a passion for health ministry. When they asked her to be the health ministries director at Forest Lake Church, she probably thought I'd rather be hung upside down by my heels. But God did something there over the last few years that, that changed my life. It showed me, Phil, what can happen when healthcare professionals and pastors work together with a shared vision. And I want to challenge you with this simple thought today. Jesus has a ministry for you. That's six words. Could you say that with me? Jesus has a ministry for you. Except I want to make it more personal now. I want to change the you to me. Okay, would you say it with me? Jesus has a ministry for me. You see, he doesn't want you to stay in the safe territory of discipleship. Oh, be a disciple of Jesus all of your life. But Jesus wants you to do something. 
Jesus wants you to go out to let him send you out as a radical apostle with radical dependence on the Father, with radical empowerment by the Spirit, with a radical commitment to the mission. Jesus wants to use you to change the world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the greatest apostle of all, Jesus, who left the courts of heaven, sent out to planet earth. Thank you for the call to join in that work, to not just come and learn, but then to go out and do. And we feel frail. We don't feel that strong or that capable. But I pray through a radical dependence on you, a radical empowerment by your spirit, and yes, a radical commitment to the mission, that by your grace, that radical apostles would go out from this place to impact the world, and we will give you glory forever and ever. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org